You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, and welcome back to the Wildcat Scoop podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Shear, here with... Jason Shear. And we are super excited because football is back. And it's going to be two weeks, basically, or less that we're going to be in San, than two Di- weeks now. San Diego State. We're going to be there. We're going to drop our kids off at Jason's sister's house and uh, go have fun in San Diego. So um, with that, uh, fall camp just officially wrapped up and attention is turning to San Diego State. So it's a good time to review the offense throughout fall camp, Jason. Yep, we'll do the offense in this one, and then we'll do the defense. Um, media coverage is, might as well get this out of the way, media coverage is going to be pretty different now that fall camp is closed. There are no more open practices. We as the media can go watch the practice, but we can't report on anything whatsoever, so it's kind of pointless. <laughs> but um, it's just interviews now. Tuesday and Thursday, interviews this week, and then we're in game week, press conferences and all that, so... We are here. Fall camp is over. It is San Diego State Aztec time. We're on the clock. So, number one, quarterback play started out inconsistent, and then Jaden Delora took a stronghold of the top spot. What do you see from the position, and what does the depth chart look like? Yeah, so, you know, just rewinding at the beginning of camp, Jaden Delora struggled. He was just super inconsistent, and you would see glimpses and then he would kind of, you know, struggle a little bit. And Noah Fafita was picking things up and playing well. But, you know, something I, I don't think we were keeping in mind was Jaden Delora was going against the ones and Noah Fafita was going against the, the twos and below. And then last week, um, or uh, even before that, actually, there was a practice where Jaden Delora threw three interceptions. And it was just awful. And supposedly after that practice, they had a walkthrough with Jimmy Doherty and Jed Fish and company. And that's when something clicked. And even Jaden Delora basically said, like, he just needed to get on the same page with the offense, with the receivers. And since that practice, uh, he has clearly been the top quarterback on the roster. And then the other day, he missed his practice because he said he ate, if you want to believe him, he said he ate some bad Chipotle. We've, I mean, we've all ate bad Chipotle. Except me, because I don't like Chipotle. Right. Um, and then when you want to lose weight, Chipotle's great. And then um, he uh, he missed practice. Noah Fafita went. And, and before I say this, I don't want to make it seem like I'm dissing Noah Fafita. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. But it's just more to kind of illustrate my point. But Noah Fafita went against the ones the entire practice and struggled. It was a little fast for him, and um, it just didn't feel the same as when he was going against the twos. And Jaden Delora continued to perform really well. And then in the scrimmage on Saturday night, 
Jaden Delora was awesome. I mean, he was hitting his marks. He was allowed to get out of the pocket and make plays happen. And he is just the best quarterback on the roster. Like, Jed Fish named him the starter before camp even started, pretty much, um, because he knew what Jaden Delora had. And people forget, this is the same kid. He was the offensive freshman of the year in the Pac-12. Like, he's a legitimately good quarterback. There was a transition to the system, and there's a transition with the terminology, and Jaden Delora said that was probably his his biggest struggle wasn't forgetting the Washington State offense, but rather learning the differences with the Arizona State with the Arizona offense. Ooh. Oh my God! Ooh, slip of the tongue there. So that is what happened uh, in terms of the depth chart. It's clearly Jaden Delora. I think the backup situation. You know, it, it. I think it depends. Like, let's say Jaden Delora, knock on wood, uh, he gets hurt in the middle of the game. I could see it being Jordan McLeod. But I think Noah Fafita is the second quarterback on the death chart. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what type of position and situation you want to put him in. Uh, I think that the pecking order during camp was very clear. Jaden, Noah, Jordan McLeod. Noah's going to have some freshman growing pains, but he's just a better overall quarterback than McLeod. I think McLeod is fine as a game manager. I think his arm strength leaves something to be desired, and that's why he's third. But overall, you know, it's just such a night and day difference from quarterback from this year to last year. And, and Jaden Delora is clearly that guy. And, and he was, it's funny, um, you get some stupid questions sometimes. Really? And after the scrimmage, it was so clear that Jaden Delora is the starter. So naturally, you know, the day before we talked to Noah Fafita, we talked up to Jimmy Doherty about Noah Fafita. And naturally, Rich Herrera asked, you know, what have you seen from Noah Fafita? And Jed actually gave a good quote, which is like, we've seen what he can do as a backup, basically. Like, he's like, ideally, Jaden Delora starts 12 games. Like, and so that was, I mean, that's... He, There's Jed, no, nothing clearer than that. Right. And, and so Jed still hasn't come out and technically said Jaden Delora is the starter. You know, like, you come out and just flat out say it, but he's a starter. He said it last night. It's not a secret. He's been the starter for the last two weeks. But um, I guess the backup is uh, is somewhat interesting. It'll... Hopefully we'll never know unless it's a blowout and Arizona's blowing out a team, but um, which is unlikely. But <laughs> uh, that's pretty much where any of the quarterback drama really is. Is it really drama though? Like, don't you want to go with experience over the talented kid who's never played an actual college? Game? I mean, for backup. Oh well, okay. That's the only backup. The only drama. There's people even for the top spot for Fafito that yeah. were like gunning for him to be yeah, the starter. Yeah, it, it was. It was never gonna happen. And like Mike, Mike Luke posted. And, and since the post, Jaden Delora has been unstoppable. But Mike Luke posted that he thought Fafita was the best quarterback on the roster, but even then said Jaden Delora should be the starter. Like, yeah. even if you think Noah ultimately will wind up being the best quarterback on the roster in two years or whatever, you start Jaden Delora. Like, let's not be silly here. There's a reason why Arizona got him. He's proven it at the college level. That's the guy that, that is starting. All right. Uh, question number two. The running back position has a lot of intrigue. What stood out to you, and what do you think that depth chart looks like? Yeah, so, you know, when Arizona went and got former Auburn and Florida State running back DJ Williams, I was one of the many that basically said I didn't understand adding another running back to that room. And I went and I talked to someone close with the coaching staff, and they basically said DJ Williams has something that every other back on Arizona's roster doesn't have, and that's the ability to completely just break a game open. 
like to make plays in certain situations. He's a game changer. Right. And, and, and the closest thing on Arizona's roster to that is, I was told, and I agree with it, is Jonah Coleman. And so when you have a chance to upgrade at a position and you have the scholarship room, you do it. And the biggest thing to me is, you know, it took DJ Williams some time to get oriented, to get into shape. And keep in mind, he basically got to campus the day practice started. He sat out the first practice. So this is a kid that didn't have a program. He was in the portal, basically, not playing football until he got back to Arizona's campus. Um, I don't know if he'll start, but if he's not, he's going to be right there with Michael Wiley. I, I think the biggest thing is, especially in the last week, I've said to myself, and in the media, we always talk about players and stuff, oh, I could see why they got this kid. Like, when you see him, it makes sense. And I think it stood out that he is different. I mean, he is a thicker, bigger running back, similar to Jonah Coleman. But that's my dog. Very excited, if you can hear that. But the thing that really stands out to me about the running back is that the position that Arizona has is is very versatile. Like, Scotty Graham gets excited talking about his position group because there's so many different types of back. You have Michael Wiley. He's the veteran. You know, he's very consistent. May not be spectacular, but you kind of always know what you're getting from Michael Wiley. Then you have DJ Williams, who's kind of the game-breaker type of guy, the guy that can really make plays. Remember, go look at his freshman year at Auburn. I mean, he was doing that. Go look up a highlight reel. He did some wild things to SEC defenses. Then you have Jonah Coleman, who's a superstar in the making. Uh, really difficult to, to bring down. Strong, huge guy. If you haven't seen Jonah Coleman in person, you're going to be really surprised at how big he is. Then you have Speedy Luke, who we'll get to in a minute, who's completely different than anyone in Arizona's roster, super fast. And then if you really need to, you got Rocker, et cetera. But, um, you know, what stood out to me is that, you know, we talk about talent, but I like the fact that each of these guys complement each other. In terms of the depth chart, I would say Wiley 1, Williams 2, Coleman 3, Speedy Luke 4 with the caveat that it's a different type of 4, which will bring us to our next question. Shelby? Uh, that's right. So number 3, to add on to that point, what can we expect from Speedy Luke other than what we already have seen him do? Right. So when I say he's going to be the fourth running back, what I mean is he'll get five or six carries a game, two to three receptions, return kicks, get a jet sweep or two. Like, He'll be busy. Right. Like It's not like, oh, he's the fourth running back. On a normal roster, the fourth running back will never be seen. Speedy Luke will be seen. And in the scrimmage, you have the 70-yard touchdown run. And, you know, I was telling, talking with Mike Luke on, on his podcast earlier, a lot of times we've heard of guys that are fast. Like TJ Johnson was a good one. And he comes in and he's got tracks for you. Like, this dude is fast. But what happens is there is that, like Tavion Cunningham, super fast, right? But what happens is once you get on the football field, if you can't get open or you can't use that speed on a cut, it is completely irrelevant that you are fast. Speedy Luke, what makes him unique is in addition to that track speed, it translates to the football field. And we saw it in the scrimmage, a little taste of it against the first team defense. He makes a cut, he gets to the second level, and he's gone. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. And he's one of these guys that are so fast, it looks like he's jogging while everyone else is sprinting. And when you have a guy like him and you get him into open space, it is a nightmare. And, you know, DeAnthony Thomas is a really good comparison. Uh, Demetric Felton at UCLA is the comparison that I've been given a lot, where he's right now as a freshman, probably going to get 10 to 12 touches a game. But it could be the situation where he's getting 10 to 12 touches, finishing with 150 yards and a touchdown because he is explosive. And Arizona, in my opinion, and I can't say formations and different stuff and all that, I won't get, I'm not one of these dudes, you know, I know I saw another website basically give away the whole defensive playbook the other day. I'm not one of these dudes that is gonna do that, but I will just tell you that Arizona has done a very nice job of making sure Speedy Luke gets touches in the open field, and you're going to see him line up in a variety of ways. They know what they have, and they're going to use what they have. And I would be really surprised if it's not effective almost immediately. And he's fast. And he's fast. I believe my description of him last night was, as I tweeted, fast as shit. I saw that you got a little... Or you can go with the F word. A but he is, I mean, it is... It's stupid speed. And it's speed that, frankly, Arizona isn't supposed to have. We desperately need it, though. Yes. What I like about him is is what you have been saying, but just the football IQ combined with the speed is pretty uh, almost indefensible combo. So I'm excited to see what our opposition tries to do with him. I'm excited to know that you're excited. Thanks, babe. And I like how you said R and we. I know because I am an Arizona guy. Shelby Shelby got a press pass. I did. Uh, we were gonna, but so what happened is. Shelby and I want to take this podcast to kind of another level and get them out to you quicker after games. And I think it's a different view when you watch games from the press box and go to games and stuff. So Shelby also may write the occasional article. She'll be a little more active posting. Um, I got to tone it down. I may have to edit her posts. She gets a little emotional sometimes. But Oh, I'm sorry. Who was cussing on Twitter last um, night? Oh, it was exciting. But she, she will be going to games. And her first game in her first press box. It's not your first press box ever. No. No, um, your first no. press box ever was our honeymoon. Was our honeymoon in Washington? <laughs> in Washington, and quick story. I think we might have said this before. At Washington, they take you to a room where all the players and coaches were, and there was Sark. And Arizona had lost, and Sark was talking to a very cute woman reporter, clearly like flirting with her a little bit. And then he's like right by Shelby and I, and he just starts talking mad shit about Nick Foles, like he's not as good as I thought he was, and. He's not an NFL guy. And Shelby's yep, sitting there. I was, I was like, don't furious. say anything. Don't say anything, Shelby. Keep your mouth shut, Shelby. I was always hoping that when Nick Foles won the Super Bowl with Philly, <laughs> that he sent Sark a dozen roses and he said, F you. <laughs> but, so that was Shelby's. Uh, and that press box also, I don't know if it's the, how the new one works, but the old one, you felt like you were going to die at you, any you second. You walked across the <laughs> suspension bridge to get to the press. And then it like shook when it got loud and it's like, oh, I'm going to die at a press box. So. Yeah. And just to be really clear, I do go to games as a fan. Yeah, yeah. But it's I've a been different... going for years. 
it's a different scenario in the press box. You're higher. It's it's different. You're you know you're hearing stats and live updates and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so. that's happening, guys. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Question number four. Uh, the wide receiver seems to have a lot of talent. The top three starters are locked in with T Mac, Jacob Cowing, and Dorian Singer. Thoughts on those three and the depth overall? Shelby already knows the depth chart. She's ready. Uh, people are asking for that. I will get you the depth chart in the next 48 hours. So let's start with T-Mac. Um, the biggest thing with T-Mac was actually something we learned last night, which is that he has gained about 15 pounds since he got here, and he's gotten faster. He said, they time you on this, he was running 16 miles an hour uh, during games, and he's up to like 18 now. Um, it's, it's a big jump. He's a bigger kid. And I think the thing with T-Mac was, and he said this too, he admitted it, in the first five practices, Christian Roland Wallace held him without a catch, which is by far the only time that's ever happened in that kid's life. And I think basically what's happened is there's a transition. Like you're big and strong in high school, but that doesn't translate right away to college because these guys have been in a college strength program. And I think it was really smart of Arizona to basically make sure that all of T-Mac's reps went against Christian Roland Wallace, who's a very good uh, Pac-12 cornerback, and it was a learning curve. And you know, wide receiver coach Kevin Cummings said he's got to learn to be more physical. It's a different type of physicality at the college level. And similar to Jaden Delora, something clicked for T Mac, and you have seen how good he is the last week or so. You saw it in the scrimmage. He is really, really good, and he's still a freshman. And so there's going to be moments where he disappears or he struggles a little bit, but he is very good. Uh, Jacob Cowing is a guy, you know, he, he's going to be back at practice on Tuesday. We don't really have details on what's been plaguing him. It doesn't matter because we know he's back at practice on Tuesday. Um, but he is, in my opinion, the best offensive player on the team pound for pound because he's a guy, again, similar to Speedy Luke. They're going to use him in a variety of ways to get him the ball. He's not just a guy that put up big numbers at a bad school on UTEP. He is legitimately good. And then Dorian Singer is the guy that we're probably not talking about enough. I think that we've probably underrated him a little bit. Very consistent, very explosive. And so Arizona's top three receivers are as good as they've been in years. And what's crazy is from those three, uh, the depth is still good. And so like Anthony Simpson is another guy that we're probably not talking about a lot. And um, Jed Fish said that he's been... Um, putting on like 6,000, you know, yards a, a practice or whatever it is because he's he's on special teams, he's on wide receiver, he's on everything they can put him on because he is so good. Like he he impacts the way, the game in a variety of ways. Um, and, and he really stepped up in the absence of Cowie. Kevin Green, the freshman, another guy that stepped up in, in the absence of Cowie. Going to be really good. Cumming says he wants him to take it a little more seriously off the field. He's a good kid from a good family. I think he'll get there eventually. But either way, he's a guy that can impact the game quite a bit. Then you got Jamari Joyner, another guy that, you know, he's got to lose a little bit of weight, get in a little better shape. But he's another, you know, impact guy, Anthony Jones, etc. So really overall, you know, a lot of times you talk about depth, but I've always said there's a difference between bodies and quality depth. And Arizona has quality depth at wide receiver. It's going to be really interesting to see what that rotation is. But those top three especially, really, really good. Great. I'm excited. 
Let's go to question number five. And by the way, this is question number five of seven because usually we are around five questions. But no, no, no. We're going deep. We're going to make this a deluxe question situation. So number five, the offensive line is always a popular question, popular topic. Topic. Very. I uh, said I would never talk about it again. Gosh, I know you did, but here we are. What did you make of the starting unit throughout camp? So it's really difficult to judge an offensive and a defensive line in camp because you can't do the things that you normally would in a game, right? Like you're not blocking certain situations. You're not sacking, you know, truly sacking the quarterback. You're playing two-hand touch, that type of deal. I, I think it was really solid. I really do. You know, we saw in the scrimmage, you know, like they opened up the hole for Speedy Luke to get that 70-yard run. They've given Jaden Delora a good amount of time throughout camp. Uh, you know, last year I watched the offensive line and I didn't think it was very good in camp. And this goes back to, you know, I, I said last night, I tweeted, Arizona doesn't suck. And last year, I said, I've said this before, we watched camp and I would tell Shelby, I don't want to go. They're bad. Yeah, he did. <laughs> like, they're bad. Like, Basically, all of last year's summer camps or any practices, Jason really didn't want to go. Yeah, it was like, like she would, I would come up with the cause of the team looking. I go, I'm sorry, hon. They're bad. Like, they're just not... Well, and it's to be expected. Yeah, no, it's... It's like year one. Like, what what are you supposed to do? And and so I I don't think the offensive line is awful. I I really don't. And, uh, uh, you know, when you take a look at the overall depth, maybe that's a concern. But JT Han, Leif Magnuson, Sam Lange have been pretty decent. I think you worry about tackle. If there's an injury at tackle, that's probably a worry. You'd have to move around the offensive line. But I think overall, it it was fine. I really do. I, I didn't come out of camp saying to myself, man, the offensive line is really going to hold this team back. Now, we'll see in a game. It's a different type of feeling, but I thought overall they did they did pretty fine. Nice. Well, that's always uh, comforting to hear, especially because we have to protect we. Arizona has to protect Delora. Shelby's willing to protect you. I will Delora. go out there and do it myself. <laughs> anyway... Number six, the coaches felt that the quarterback position negatively impacted the offensive line last season. Do you agree? So this goes back to my last point of saying the offensive line didn't look all that bad. It's hard not to agree, right? Because so what I said last year is, you know, the the coaching staff felt that the quarterback play had a negative impact on the offensive line because you could only block for so long when Gunnar Cruz is sitting back there and holding the ball for eight seconds. Blocking doesn't look good when you're rolling in the wrong direction or you're rolling out for no reason. Or you're not able to find the intermediate guy and so you're waiting for routes that aren't there. Jaden Delora is pretty good at getting the ball out relatively quick. Sometimes he hangs on to the ball too long, That's but he's doing so because he's reading the defense. But it, it is hard for me to disagree because I think the offensive line has looked better. And again, when especially on offense, when... You have a quarterback that knows what he's doing and knows how to run the offense. Everything looks better. The run game looks better because the opposition has to respect your passing game. The offensive line looks like it's blocking better. Um, Everything overall, the offense is going to look better with a competent quarterback. And I think that's where we're at. My podcast is so boring. I don't know if you can hear my dog snoring right now. (laughs) She's just flat out snoring. So that's where we're at. But yeah. Uh, It's hard for me to disagree. Ask me uh, during the season. All right. And last question. We made it. Number seven. Overall, what are your expectations for this offense now that fall camp is complete? So Arizona's offense last year was bad. 
The red zone defense was among the worst in the country. And something that I've really liked that Jed Fish has done is um, the red zone. Red zone, more red zone. When they're done practicing the red zone, they take a break and then practice some more red zone. And then they end practice practicing red zone. I love it. So he knows, and I think he's actually starting to get pissed off a little bit every time someone asks about the red zone, because he knows how much they struggled there. And a lot of it is quarterback play, and a lot of it is just personnel. And Fish was honest after the scrimmage when he's like, look, if we have bigger, stronger backs, things get easier. Hey, DJ Williams and Jonah Coleman, you make life easier. Hey, Keon Burnett. Hey, 6'4", T-Mac, and bigger wide receivers that you can throw a fade to. That makes life easier. Hey, quarterback who can read opposing defenses and know to give those guys the ball, that makes life easier. And I know that this podcast has sounded like I'm holding pom-poms right now and is very positive. But I think the reason it's positive is because you're comparing it to last year. And I'm not saying that Arizona is going to go out and score 56 points a game and have the best offense in the country. But it would be absolutely shocking if it wasn't double the offense that it was last year. Because the offense last year was bad. And my expectations for the offense is that they're going to put up some points. That it is going to be a legitimately good offense because I think that highly is Jaden Delora compared to what they did last year compared to the wide receiver group. I love Stanley Berryhill, but you're talking T-Mac cowing and singer. And remember singing singer didn't play all last season, right? He only played a chunk of the season. And then you're talking depth offensive line, tight ends. Like there's running back there, There's weapons that Arizona didn't have. And at the end of the day in college football, you are as good as your personnel. And Arizona's personnel is better than it was last year. And because of that, my expectations for Arizona's offense are higher. I think it is more likely that Arizona loses a game because of its defense this year than its offense. And that wasn't the case last year. Arizona lost to NAU because of its offense, in my opinion. Yep. No, they did. Arizona lost other games because of its offense. I think that is much more unlikely this season. What do you think, just kind of going off the cuff here, what you saw in camp anyway, do you think that the discipline in game is going to be improved? And by that I mean penalties. Like, do you foresee the amount of penalties? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, a lot of that is quarterback-based also, you would assume, but – you know, it's it's sometimes there's really good teams that have a lot of penalties. Uh, penalties weren't a huge issue in camp. Like, there were no practices where we said, my God, stop moving. There were a few in the scrimmage, um, you know, and, and so it, it's hard to say until you get into games. But I will say that I do feel there's very vocal leadership. I, I think Jaden Delora is a leader of the group. I think Cowing is older. He's a leader in his group. Jordan Morgan, the older offensive lineman. So, you don't really know in practice. It's pretty much impossible to analyze, but, I mean, it shouldn't be a, a huge problem. All right. The streets wanted to know. The streets do want to know. So I just was giving the people what they want. I Thank just you. made that up. I know. Okay. All right. Well, we've answered all of our questions for the offense from camp, and we are going to wrap it up. Yeah, we'll get into defense. We're going to have a lot more content this week. I'm I'm taking a break from realignment unless something pops up. I need college football. It starts this weekend. My little daughter, Brielle, is getting yelled at because she wants to say something. Brielle, you have two seconds. Go. Hi. Thank you. Okay, that's why we pay her the big bucks. 
we uh, we're really trying to hit that eight to ten year old demo. Demo. That you know that's preteen. That's what we're going for. So preteen demo. Oh, she's nine. She's yes. yelling at us that she's wow. nine. So figure out your kid's age, Jason. I said eight to ten demo. I know my kid's age. She acts like she's forty-five. Anyway, go to bed. Okay, so <laughs> we're losing control of this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, um, with that being said, no, we are not done because I think you said you're going to run a special soon. Yeah, so I believe we're going to run a start of the season special on Wildcat Authority. Don't have the details yet, um, but I'm going to ask to run a special because Arizona football is back. Arizona's back. So I'll have the details for that this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to the streets. And, and we are going to be introducing uh, a couple fun things this season. We're going to flesh them out a little bit, but potential actual meet and greets um, and also supporting local restaurants. Since we get asked a lot, and you know, rightly so, about uh, where we should recommend people to go eat in town since, you know, I'm a local and we eat out a lot. And we need to know what's going on in San Diego because Shelby and I are dropping off the kids at my, uh, my sister. So Friday night, Saturday night, we're going to be available. It's going to be, if Arizona wins, I told Shelby, it could get ugly. It could get there, crazy. Down there in gas lamp. So let yeah. us know. So, <clears throat> with that being said, thank you everyone for joining us. A wise man once said, bear down. Bear down. Shelby, you want to know the difference between San Diego and Arizona in terms of stadium? What? $18 for a cocktail, like $14 for a beer in San Diego. Dang. Yeah, you're going to have to bring a flask. That's those California Wait. prices. I mean, uh, no flasks. No in flasks the in my purse. Press box. No flasks in the press box.